and welcome to episode three of Vox Popularum, the Vox Popcast. I am Chris Maverick, your regular host. And if you were listening to last week's show, you know that I said that this week we were going to talk about video games. Video games are something that I love and that I know very little about because I only play what I play. And you'll also notice that Wayne is not here this week because he likes video games and said, I know nothing. I'm not going to be on that show. As it turns out, boys know nothing about video games. Everybody knows that. So I got two women to co-host the show with me this week. The first is Katia, who I did my master's with. And Katia is a PhD student at Duke right now? Yep. And I work on American literature and pop culture, much like Mav. Um, and a couple of years ago, I started writing about video games. So it's a fairly recent academic specialty for me, but one I'm very happy about because now I get to write off games on my taxes. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I might have to start. I mean, right now I do that with comic books. I might have to start doing that with video games. Like, yeah, I don't, I'm just going to pretend I know stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm like waiting. I'm waiting for the faded audit where someone goes like, this is not actually your job. And I'm like, oh, but wait, it is. <laughs> and the other person I have here is Abby. And Abby, I know, well, Abby used to work with Wayne and also does... You, Got your master's from WVU. Yep, West Virginia University. Mm-hmm. So I got my master's in professional writing and editing last year. So that was a two-year program. It was a heavy rhetoric and composition course, but my main areas of focus were, of course, comics and video games with also a gender look on things. Nice. <laughs> And I am here to tell dumb jokes while they talk about important and useful stuff that I don't really understand. So I get to be just like you listening to this at home. So this was one of the first things that I wanted to do when I decided to start the show, because Katia and I had 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 these conversations back there in our master's program about how basically for us, the entire idea of being an English major, studying literature was just to sort of study the things that we like, comics, video games, science fiction movies. And we had talked about we should just do articles, we should do shows that are just about geeky stuff that we like. (laughs) And much like my conversation with Wayne, where this became the show where it's like, oh, having a discussion in a comic book shop is exactly like having a discussion at an academic conference. These are the things that we would talk about in the lounge with no one else listening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So now we're going to move that here. So if you follow the blog, the www.boxpopcast.com or the Facebook group, you will see that she and I both posted some basic thoughts on the idea of video games and violence. And where we were starting was the idea that every time there's some sort of mass shooting, and it's becoming less now because even though we're having mass shootings, people are worried about YouTube right now. But when there's a mass shooting, you sort of blame it on video games. You say, well, those kids were playing Doom. Um, and people say nobody's playing Doom anymore. But <laughs> but those kids were playing Call of Duty then or Grand Theft Auto or whatever, you know, whatever someone like receives a commercial about. And the question became, well, can you really blame video games for an uptick of violence? And I said no, because you also can't blame professional wrestling or the rock and the roll music or the comic books, which were the bane of culture. And it really depends on when you are talking about what the horrible scourge of today's children is. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about before we started recording, it's like the idea that like basically every new media technology that's ever emerged gets some version of this, like whether or not it's the idea that like TV will make you go blind or like when novels first come out, it's basically they're considered like trash literature that will corrupt the morals of women. Um, So like basically every new technology is something like this. And like, there's no reason to believe that video games are any different. Like I think a lot of the the comments brought this up and maybe Mav, you've talked about in your post, is like the idea that there's been some research about this 
this, but there's been no definitive or even like convincing research done that basically says that video games contribute to violence. The closest has ever com- come is like one like clinical trial that basically showed that like adults and children who play really violent video games for a certain period of time show like increased levels of aggression for say like two hours after playing. But there's no been no work done on like the cumulative effects and things like that. And we were having a conversation on the Facebook page, but when you're trying to isolate the impact of like a specific cultural medium on an individual, especially, it's like just really problematic because there's no way you can actually separate out all of the different media influences and all the other things going on in their life. So it's just sort of a really weird claim to make. I actually find it much more interesting because the places where the claim that like video games cause violence tends to come from people who don't play games or don't have a huge amount of experience with it. And so for me, I find it really interesting of like, this is how people who don't play games read this kind of culture, especially because like at some point, basically in my lifetime, the people who have no meaningful experience with video games will like more or less die out, at least in sort of Western countries. And so there's like, this is like a weird cultural moment of transition between pre and post video game culture. But yeah, that's kind of where I come in at it is not so much the question of like, do video games cause violence, but what sort of ideas are behind that in how media actually interacts with people and what people think about how these texts sort of shape your idea of reality. Because I think video games seem to be concerning to people in a way that novels and film aren't because they're participatory. Yeah, I was also thinking about when you guys brought up this conversation is like people have a very specific idea when they're saying violence in video games and so like I was posing like a really funny question to my friend because I was like trying to figure out stuff I was like what's your favorite most violent video game and he's like aren't they all like on some level violent I was like going through and I was like even like innocuous things that you don't register are violent or like I was like Zelda Breath of the Wild beautiful stylized game it's violent like (laughs) like those are violent or even like I love um have you ever played Phoenix Wright I haven't okay like it's a lawyer game most of the game takes place in the courtroom. Oh, and I was I like, do know this. Right? Yes. But like each and every episode that you play, like there's a horrible murder that you watch. <laughs> That's like an explicit kind of detail, though it's all cartoony. That right. game, when I think of it, never registers as violent to me. So right? is the game, again, this is me being dumb because I played Pac-Man once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I played more you're than like Pac-Man. Point, you're our point of comparison. I for also like played Ms. Pac-Man. I am very, very... Oh. <laughs> no, I played lots Deep of cuts. games. But it's a game where you are a lawyer and you try a case? Yeah, like it's all about wordplay and finding evidence and like revealing the truth. Mm-hmm. And actually it's all like it's amazing. This game has been over a decade and it actually like shows his career. Like he goes through disbarment <laughs> and then has redemption. Like I like cry when I think about his actual personal narrative oh, arc in like a satire about Japanese court system and like it's an entire satire on it and things like seem really absurd like the fact that there's a lawyer that has like a 99% like conviction rate but that's because that's the way Japanese court systems are structured because Mm. unlike American courts, which are designed to be settled out of court with money, Japanese courts, like you have to like have a really good case to get there, guys. So they have like absurdly high um, conviction rates. And so a lot of American audiences are like, this is funny. It's like Japanese are like, no, this is real. real. (laughs) (laughs) Like this is like actual real life to us. Um, So like, but that's besides the point. It's violent though, right? But I feel like the last big video games are violent scare. Like it feels like that was the Jack Thompson years in the early aughts that we were experiencing that. Yeah, Um, I mean... I mean, I have a list of like, so I spent, I, I went down a rabbit hole when I first started like thinking about video games as an academic thing of like reading police reports. Yeah. And I mean, so the last one that like it became, I mean, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a, it was huge, but the most recent one, I think there was just a couple of things one after the other. It was like 2012 okay. because there was the shooting in Norway, yes. which like, like that one, uh, I think his name is, it's like Anders. I'm going to totally butcher this, but it's like Brasevik. He's Norwegian. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but anyway, he like 
he cites like basically using Call of Duty like to train to like prepare for the shooting. Yeah. And then the other thing was like there was this really I was reading an interview they have of him like talking about like his motive and everything. I think it's actually it's not a police interview. I think it's a media interview, which was really weird. Okay. Um, where he like starts talking about like oh they I thought they would all run away like all the people all of his victims would like run away and I guess they didn't they they didn't they were sort of like glued to their spot because they were terrified and so he starts talking about like i thought they would act like they would in movies and then video games i thought they would run away and then so there's i think that comment in particular and the idea of like call of duty being a place where he sort of practiced like became this narrative of like oh like video games made him do it or they at least made him more effective mm-hmm. and then on, and then also the same year is sandy hook yeah. and the police report i mean especially the, so this question of like video games that have like implied violence the police report i actually that one i got really fascinated by because the game they talk about most at length is dance dance revolution really yeah it's really weird so basically because at least according to like some of the interviews they do with his friends like his two favorite games are super mario brothers yeah. which is something where like it's car- very cartoony and it's like meant for children but like is violent um you still you still like stomp boombas and things like that right. but the other one is like ddr and they basically just talk about he would go to the local arcade that i think was like in a movie theater and he would play like five days a week for like mm-hmm. hours on end and then they start talking about well this was clearly like his like training as like a physical fitness and like whatever and it's you like know, it's because that game's addictive <laughs> right well and it's also like well right and like how are you making this leap from like the idea that this dance game is involved with a shooting like and when it you was, shoot people you jump from the red square to the blue square clearly and it and it was like a thing where it's like okay i i can see the plausible narrative of the idea of like this physical training going here it's making you more physically fit i can see the sort of like why someone would think that's plausible but, but like was running but yeah right one he's runners said, don't make people murder exactly people. and it's like this is so bizarre especially because it actually runs counter like that particular instance like it runs counter to like the stereotype we have of shooters is like they're socially isolated because they talk about he's playing this with his friend oh, yeah and like th- and like things like that and i mean we can get into like the specifics of like the other ways that media gets portrayed but like and the way that like the stereotypes of shooters get get circulated and things mm-hmm. like that which i think is like another question yeah. maybe a different episode <laughs> but like just the fact that like ddr was the thing that was most referenced in the police report it's like this is really strange um and that's one of the things that started getting me thinking started getting me thinking about this question because it's like there's something about that and the way that it's being circulated it isn't about the violent content it's about the idea that something about playing video games itself is in some way problematic well it's i think it's this extension of the idea that video games are an immersive medium Mm -hmm. that you know it's not like movies or comics or um, reading because mm-hmm. it's a different way of engaging with it. This fits into a bigger conversation I had, I think, with you at comic books and like there's a certain way you have to engage your audience when you're writing a comic book that you don't do in novels and likewise mm-hmm. in video games. You have different affordances in video games than you do those mediums. Mm-hmm. But people like somehow think it's like this probably fits into some of the questions too that fit in with it's like the character is me and that is not always true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it fits into this idea, like, they would throw around the term murder simulator. And, okay, and, like, here's the thing. Yeah. Yes, like, I have played games where I, uh, like, one of my first examples is, like, I was, like, really young. And I, like, I remember my mother walking in while I played Resident Evil Zero. And mm-hmm. I got the Magnum, and I was super hyped because, like, you know you're in a good spot in the game when you get the Magnum because it's... Yeah. In that game, it's immediate headshot every time. And I'm oh, yeah. just like, she walks in and she's watching me cackle as I blow off human beings' heads, like splattering. And I'm like, yeah. See, I just want to point out how, how much more violent girls are than boys. <laughs> <laughs> I said I played Pac-Man. I and ate I'm, little cartoon ghosts. Oh, yeah. But, but the fact is, like, the implication to me is that if you train someone via video game, right, like, you will make them a murderer. 
even though like they have no problem with how we train, like people will be trained in real life with simulations that aren't video games oh, yeah. to do murder. Oh yeah. And you no, know, those people go back into civic life and some of them have problems, right? But it's not the like training that give them PSTD, right? It's not that training, is it? Or is it the actual experience? There's a level, right? Well, and all, so there's two things. Yeah, I agree with you. You don't get PTSD from training to kill people. You get PTSD from going out and killing a whole bunch of people. Yeah, like right and being through <laughs> right. that actual experience. There's still a shooting. level of disconnect. Right. 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 That most people it's like they feel like it's this niche thing where it's like, no, like tons of people watch TV, tons of people play video games, tons of people read, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're taking a very small sample to fit this narrative of what you want. Well, it's the problem of like taking people who are already like special cases, like 99% of people will never commit a mass shooting. And it's like you're taking so you're taking a very small set of of people, not to mention a very small set of people who play video games and then extrapolating to this general narrative, which like, I mean, any academic will tell you, like taking a specific case and extrapolating to like a universal concept is just like not what you do. Mm-hmm. And it's what we're sort of doing when we talk about video games and violence is basically saying like these specific cases who happen to get a lot of media attention sort of like take over the narrative for people who don't play games. And the other thing that I think about is that there's an overlap, I think, between our stereotype of like who a gamer is, which yes. tends to be a young, white, socially isolated male and the people who statistically, at least in the United States, are like prone to being mass shooters, which, which are is young, <laughs> white, socially isolated males. It's like, what else is impacting that besides the video games? <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, that's, I, I think, again, other episode. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, and it's like, and I think that I think and that to me is probably more compelling reason for like why this conversation keeps going up. Because again, it's especially it's not people who play video games. Although I will say the one time I've had somebody ask me about whether or not video games like produce violence, taking it seriously, that plays video games happened to be actually two cases are both game developers. Mm-hmm. And that was really interesting in the moment. It's sort of like, oh, is somebody who actually does this for a living that's really concerned about it? And actually not on the level of like whether they're concerned that they're making the people that they produce games for violent, but they were actually asking me seriously, like, is this going to make me violent? And the idea that they do it for a living. And I'm like, that's an interesting, that's like, that's a different and more interesting set of questions. It's like, if producing these things that are coming out of you and your colleagues' heads is a different kind of well, no, experience. Yeah, it's not making you, I mean, if you're writing the story, forget that it's a video game. If you are writing a novel about a murder, writing the novel, the murder novel is not making you violent. That murder came out of your head. You were the inventor. You had that thought and you decided to write it down. And you also probably did research about it. Yeah. And like yeah. went through the thought by thoughts process of like, okay, now I am this character. How do I do it? Which is a simulation in its own way. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. It's this idea that somehow virtual simulation mm-hmm. makes it a step closer to reality when it really it is a different form of simulation. Yeah. I, I think I think once again, it's one of those it has different affordances and maybe offers different types of insights. Mm-hmm. But like it's still a simulation. That's still a person's fantasy. Right. Mm-hmm. Which fits into this. Like I only choose to be this character as me. Mm-hmm. Or am I using this character mm-hmm. to be an avatar of who I actually am not? Mm-hmm. If you're talking about the simulations of violence the way that you guys have been doing, we only make that a problem specifically when we're talking about violent people simulating violence. So the narrative is that, well, he learned to shoot up schools by playing Grand Theft Auto. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the mm-hmm. that's the narrative. But we only care about violent acts in video games. I am a big I'm a big football fan. And I play the Madden football games Mm -hmm. and I play them a lot because I love football and no one thinks that this is going to make me 
draftable by the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> I wish they would, but like I'm not actually, you know, good at playing football. I mean, yeah. I, I also games that I love. I love Madden. Um, I love the, I love the NBA games. I love SSX racing games and Gran Turismo. It does not make me a NASCAR driver. If I tried to get my car up to 200 miles an hour, which I would never do because I'm a fine upstanding citizen. Yeah. But if I were going to, totally. I don't think, yeah, <laughs> I think I'd probably crash anywhere above, I don't know, let's just say 110. So Gran Turismo is an interesting example, at least for me personally, and sort of maybe going back to the idea of like, the similarities between video games and military simulators. So like I have a brother who does do street racing mm -hmm. and he actually used, so like uh Gran Turismo has a bunch of like actual, like reproduces actual yeah. racetracks. Yeah, there are, yeah. there are actual motocross tracks right. in the game. And so actually, so he actually got to go do a track day at Laguna Seca mm -hmm. and he practiced by playing Gran Turismo with a very, with a very nice like setup of like a, of like a, a very realistic yeah. steering wheel and everything. And he was actually like really, he was doing as well as some of the people who actually trained on that track in person, which football probably not because like the difference between like what you're doing, pushing buttons on it, like button mashing yes. to play football is mm -hmm. very different from like a driving simulation where it actually it has a wheel that has like realistic feedback and like you can learn the track. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like produced at at least a similar enough ratio that it's accurate to reality. And so like, I think it's like about the correspondence of the skills and like the military simulations, like there are maybe really sophisticated military simulations that like seem real enough you can practice with. I don't know that the average get, like in-home console does that. Well, it depends. Like, I mean, I had, and I don't know if it like depends, but like, I, I think those are two different because we're thinking video game COD with mm -hmm. the controller. Those types of games have pretty complicated controls that are set up for a controller or a keyboard and mouse, right? right? There are games that like they are like gun simulators and this looks like a gun. However, unlike a car simulator, which has the breakdown of like, here's the wheel, here's the clutch, here's all of that, mm -hmm. that makes it a little real. Like the light gun simulators, at least they haven't made any, like you're not reloading the gun. It does not have the weight of a gun. No. It does not have like those things, I think, play into it and I... Mm -hmm. Right. And maybe the military the doesn't. can't magically know. change from a from a from a revolver to an AR-15. Yeah, right. Just, it was like by, right. by just yeah, pressing yeah. the button on the side. And, and it's one of those things. Is like, I mean, the military does use video game training, and it is useful for things mm -hmm. for um, understanding like layouts and doing other types of things. And also, like, I mean, this is kind of higher level stuff, but like, it's usually not. They're not usually doing like Metal Gear Solid level of like virtual reality training. No. Usually, they're training like. A naval officer for bombings type of stuff where mm -hmm. once again it's interpersonal where it's like here's mass carnage you actually don't see the person you're blowing up with that smart bomb type of thing but right. that's a whole other conversation it's not that interpersonal like <laughs> we're not sending solid snake <laughs> in from the virtual reality like yeah I, I don't think they would even bother yeah and like the like i know it's so like at um i think it's ncsu like they have a like vr simulator that they use for like their rotc uh -huh. um kids and that like simulates what it's like basically to run a naval ship. So it's like the actual deck of the ship and it's like yeah. they're basically running around doing whatever one does on a naval ship. I don't actually know. Like in that case, like you're doing the same thing that you would be doing in real life. It's the same action, sort of like in the way that the football is not. There's and the controllers of, are not. There's a level of like translation that's going mm -hmm. on there that makes it harder to translate in real life. Whereas mm -hmm. like, and I think, I mean, I think that's what you're like, yeah, what you're saying about the shooters yeah. is it's like you can sort of do a little bit of that, but it's not the same thing. And I think the other part of it is like you're not producing in most video games, you're not producing the same kind of emotional response that you would have to killing a real person. Yeah, and also I think a lot of times when people are talking about violence in video games, when I think about favorite video game violence 
moments for myself. Like, mm-hmm. cause that was another question. I was like, what are actually like moments that I st- either stick with me or I appreciate or like, like I remember. Mm-hmm. And there's a variety of different responses that the creator is trying to get out of you. Right. Mm-hmm. There is for shock. It's for mm-hmm. emotion. It's for just because it looked awesome. Like there are a variety of reasons in purpose of what they're doing that. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't think any of them on any level or like those impetuses, like of what you are viewing. I, I do agree that there is like a level of desensitization that happens to a person, depending on how much you play it and how often, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily make a person. I don't think that's the correlation of what makes a person violent. Cause the, the studies never go to the next step mm-hmm. of what is the correlation between desensitization and violence. I don't know if they've gotten that far. It's right. also not isolatable. Like, so that right. was, yeah. it, it's the same problem. Um, and I mentioned this again on, on the blog. If you related to something, I do know something about, which is comic books. If you look at Frederick Wortham's seduction yes. of the innocent, yeah. basically in the fifties, a book came out by a psychologist, which said we looked at most juvenile delinquents and we found out that most child crime and um, violence and rape, all of this happens from children who read comic books. Therefore, comic books are the source of all societal ills. He neglected to point out that it was like 1952 and all children read comic books because TV wasn't really a thing yet or it was just barely a thing so comic books were selling millions and millions of copies so all the good kids read comics too mm-hmm. when i look at the doom kids um the doom kids the columbine kids who were doom was our favorite video yeah. game well it was 1998 doom was everybody's favorite video game that was the game people were playing yeah. um those kids also were both they both worked in a pizza parlor they both were in the crew for the school play, but no one ever relates those as the reasons. It seems that people, you know, with violence, you can say, oh, well, they're doing this thing that I think of as violent. So obviously it must correlate back to this other thing that I think of as violent, especially if I'm a parent and I can look down and I can say, thank God we can blame the video games. It's not our fault. We're doing fine. Yeah, it's a it's a non-contextualized statistic, yeah. right? Like that. The only statistic I have about how many kids read comic books is the one from like 1941 for my Captain America thesis. And it's like literally kids like before the age of eight it was like 98 percent of them or some ridiculous thing and then slowly went down as they got a little older but i wouldn't be surprised like i wish somebody would like have a study for like overall the percentage of americans by age group play video games because like even now like our generation and like your generation even too and before that there's a large percentage of people it's not just kids playing it's a large percentage portion of the american population well i think like there's i don't know statistics off the top of my head but like basically so i was i'm a 1990s baby basically statistically the 90s is when like especially i think console owning starts becoming mainstream and then by basically the aughts and so basically the generation that's like slightly younger than me like that generation you can reliably assume that like at least in the states, eighty per ninety percent of kids have played some kind of video game. Which at some you, point, which at most, like those statistics are interesting because most of the time the statistics I've seen include phone games. Yeah, yes, which I that. think is a very different category. But I think it's important because I think. When people blame video games yeah. for, for things, when people... Also, again, most female gamers are phone gamers. Right. Female gamers over the age of, like, 30 tend to be people who play on their phone. I, I think that when you when you look at parents who might complain about, oh, the kids are playing video games, it's making them more violent. Mm-hmm. They What they mean is, at least in their mind, there are kids who are locked in the basement who sit there and do nothing but play Grand Theft Auto or Call of Duty, Warcraft, around the clock on some system with like 18 button mouses. That's their picture. Right. But Which like my, not what my mother, most people do, is certainly not a child. She's you know, she, she is an older woman. She plays video poker on mm-hmm. her on her iPad a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a video game. 
and right. and now she would she would accept that she would acknowledge that Pokemon Go is a video game, um, mm-hmm. Candy Crush. There are lots of games that I don't think people necessarily think of as video games anymore because it doesn't fit the generic stereotype of what we consider a gamer. And it's become is, normal. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, I think especially like in the like smartphone age, the idea that you have a smartphone and I, like I would love to see see the, the statistics on like how many people own a smartphone and don't have a game on it at any point because I like imagine it's negligible because it's so yeah. easy to like download a free game and mess around. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably true. I think also there's this idea of video games are highly social. Like think about now, right. even if you are not actively playing that game with somebody you are you can now like and think of how popular and how much money twitch makes Mm -hmm. just by people streaming their video game and talking to each other it's not even those other people are playing with that streamer Mm -hmm. they're just all in the same room Mm -hmm. experiencing that together like it's a highly social activity yeah Mm -hmm. and it even if it's just a dude in his room right (laughs) and it like never wasn't that because people were doing like land or like you were inviting like when i was a kid it was basically right it was yeah you invited every kid Mm -hmm. in your neighborhood of sort of like let's play the new final fantasy yeah and that was just like how everyone hung out especially because i grew up in oregon so it rained all the time so you can play outside (laughs) so we just all like did that but yeah i mean i think sort of to go back i think a little bit to what matt was saying like i think part of it is it's like for like our generations like video games became like fairly normal yeah, and like, accessible and people like if you didn't have a console, somebody you knew did that you played on. Or at the very least, like you knew people that played. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think like for like older generations where like this sort of like anxiety about like video games are destroying the world comes from, for the most part, like didn't have that experience. Right. But I mean, if you go back again, my mother's generation, there's the anxiety mm-hmm. over, well, who has the television? But but my mom will tell you that kids from their neighborhood came over when, when my grandparents were the first family in the neighborhood with a television. So everyone had to come over and watch, you know, mm-hmm. Rawhide or whatever, you know, whatever show they were, whatever the hot show was, they would just have people over so that all the kids could watch that show. And Westerns were Violent, yeah, and there, so there was there was still the worry. I think that worry still existed. I guess, I, yeah, I guess so. Because you said your mom is like worried about TV and has like sort of like um, no, my mom's not worried. Oh, about she's it, not worried. No, about it. Um, <laughs> my mother gro- when I was growing up was very much of the opinion of oh, if I drop him in front of the TV and he doesn't bother me for like three hours, that's that's awesome. <laughs> so, that's a so, win. <laughs> yeah, so I was a TV, computers, video games as the babysitter kind of kid, as were my brothers. But there are certainly people of her generation. Oh, okay. who didn't feel that way much like there are you know there are people in in this generation people who are 12 years old right now you have an issue of oh well how much screen time are you allowed and that's certainly you want kids to be well-rounded but it's not as though screens are just this magical thing the way that people talk about them oh we have a screen time so you ha- you get two hours a day of screen time and that's your ipad plus your phone plus your computer for, you know, it's like, well that, yeah that was a conversation that my like my parents were having in the early like in the early and mid 90s mm-hmm. of like how much time a day does my kid to play video games versus tv versus reading versus stuff so like yeah i mean again like aging myself as the infant um but like i don't like that was never not a problem because people had the same conversations about comic books Mm -hmm. people had the same conversations about science fiction people had the same conversations about novels and like we keep treating this problem as a completely new like novel media problem of like oh technology and the internet exists we have to have this conversation and it manifests in like different ways each time depending on the technology but i i'm not yet convinced that like there's a particular urgency around like things like smartphones or the internet or video games. Also, they, they, I just realized we had like the biggest mass shooting in our history, like at Vegas, right? Yeah. Um, um, I mean, um, a month ago, two months ago. They don't talk about that guy owning video games. No, because right. he's old. Because he's old. It's, it's a teenager <laughs> thing. Like, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, it's... <laughs> like, like, there was no conversation. <laughs> yeah, 
actually struggling to think about it. If there was ever like if there's ever a shooting that's like not somebody who looks white where video games are brought up. Right. Because it's like it, well, there must have been something that caused it. Not because like <laughs> it's got to be something else. Like, right. And there's like, well, and I think that goes that even goes to the idea of like who we consider like like how we talk about who's a shooter and why they're a shooter. Because like like we were just having a conversation a couple months ago, like there's certain shooters of certain demographics, which is basically white dudes where we bring up mental illness right in a way that we don't when it's a person of color mm-hmm. um and then so like video when i start thinking about it that way then like well okay then video games become a way to like scapegoat something so it's like oh it's not this person's fault they were made to do it because it's external no, because force. they were conditioned right in a way even though there's like which like everyone is conditioned, conditioned by the something media, right by the media <laughs> they, they like produce but you still have a choice. So the Las Vegas shooter is Stephen Paddock. He was 64 years old and yeah. an, and an, ad, an avid video poker gambler. So I've decided oh! he is now. <laughs> I was about to say like okay. he, he's a gambler, but I don't remember. I don't think they ever found, they started like a, a narrative of like what his motive was. I think people assumed it was vaguely related to gambling, but that was never, yeah. but anyway. But he plays video poker. Guys, so we cracked it open. There you go. Hey, <laughs> video games do produce violence. We solved it. <laughs> like can't play any of them because poker will totally get you. Because <laughs> like, it, it, that's the thing though. It's like, you can't necessarily that causation. Simulation of poker is not going to be a murder simulation. Well, except for, I think he actually was playing like video poker in Vegas Casinos. Casinos, you know, for real money. So I don't know that he, like... I mean, at that point, the difference between poker and video poker becomes, like, very minimal, I think. Well, people play it online, too. Right. Right, but I I think in that particular case, like, is there a distinction? I I think probably for him, a lot of the motivation is probably, hey, I'm losing a lot of money, not so much, you know, a change in brain chemistry. I mean, who knows? Yeah, like, that's why I always wonder about, like, it does, it is, like, a scapegoat narrative. Because, like, you're targeting it whenever it's a young... And it's usually during... If it's a school shooting. Yeah. Well, and, it, and I yeah. think that actually took... Like, it started because, like, Doom in the Columbine. Right. Like, that took, like, hold as a mm-hmm. seed of being like, well, now we got to look for it. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> Columbine is really... I mean, Columbine is weird because... And I don't haven't done, like, super extensive research on this. But, I mean, they... So, like, Harris and Kleibold, like, made mods of Doom that looked like their schools. And yeah. so it's a case... And I think that one that becomes like the genesis of this entire like conversation myth, whatever you want to call it, because like there was an actual like program that they wrote that like you could say like, oh, like that's they like use the game to like, again, like practice something. Yeah. But that doesn't generate the desire to go and do that. No, but like, yeah, because like rather than taking, oh, these two people had actual fantasies that they like went to that length about a very real event to do. Well, and they were already in, like, psychiatric treatment. Yeah. Like, so, like, I think, I mean, for me, it's, like, whether it's Columbine or in other cases, it's, like, it becomes this thing of, I think, especially when it comes around, like, gun like gun regulation mm-hmm. and the idea that we're going to, like, go, uh, like, after Sandy Hook, there was, there was, like, this meeting that, like, Joe Biden had with a bunch of, a bunch of people from other industries, but also video game, yeah. like, industry leaders. And sort of, like, oh, we should start regulating video games now. It's, like, so you're going to regulate video games instead of regulating guns. Yeah as a way to deal with this problem. And so it becomes like a scapegoat, not just as sort of like for the individual person and we're talking about in the media, which is not always, but it also becomes a scapegoat for us. Like sort of like you're talking about like the idea that like parents don't have to feel culpable because yeah, there's yeah, this yeah. other thing that they don't have control over that maybe their kid is sneaking in. Mm-hmm. And so this idea is like, oh, if we can blame video games, then it's just like, it's not us. It's like the evil people who are making the games and playing the games that do this other thing, mm-hmm. not like the community around them or gun regulation or politicians mm-hmm. or whatever. So it becomes this way of just sort of like, oh, it's this small thing that like most people don't play anyway. Because I mean, the other thing is also like if you ban video games, the people who are like sort of capital G gamers are like a small subset of population. 
like a very vocal subset of the population when you bring up stuff like this. But like probably, I mean, I don't know. I would actually be interested to know like how many like 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 really intense gun owners versus really intense gamers and which one. Oh, one definitely has more political capital than the other, but I would really like to know the Democrat Someone write that, write that down and see if we can get funding. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's a good study. <laughs> Research. I mean, the other thing, we started talking about this on the blog, is that one of the interesting conversations that comes around this is whether or not you sort of like import, for lack of a better word, your moral and ethical oh, yeah. codes when you're thinking about a game or whether it's a completely different thing. And I think for me, and we were sort of starting to talk about this online, it super depends on the game. Yeah, I- 110 percent it depends on the type of game and i think it's not kind of player you are yeah because i feel like i it, it also depends on like i think replayability of a game oh yeah it's a huge impact especially with rpg games and um like especially like bioware type games where oh, they're yeah. like here's your moral choice <laughs> and it's like yeah good path dark path light path neutral and all yeah. that um but like yeah it's dependent on the game because even my character's I think don't even look like me a lot of the times like yeah mine very rarely do yeah or or even they don't they're not even like my gender sometimes or mm-hmm. like anything but then there's other times where i'm like this is my avatar this is me yeah <laughs> i think it depends on because like i think of like the amount of playthroughs i've done of things like Skyrim, for example mm-hmm. and i tend to play like the sort of the moral gray area of, yeah like, i'm a thief but also like don't go around murdering people but like that's usually <laughs> my first like playthrough of like more like like chaotic neutral yeah and then but then like other playthroughs are, like okay i've sort of gotten what that's like and then like then after that it's like we do another playthrough it's like okay i'll go play the dark brotherhood which where you're being a violent murderer murder essentially mm-hmm. and like I'll do these other things and like so yeah I think it's like even I think at least for me personally like I feel like I tend to play well yeah I don't really play my own ethical code because I wouldn't steal in the real world oh no yeah. um but I totally do it in games because pickpocketing is fun <laughs> I think a really interesting place of like my own insight and like my decision choices it's with like dating sim like subplots in video games because like oh, I was okay. thinking about like okay so because I was like I'm playing the witcher right now the first one because I need to play all three of them I need to get through them but I'm playing the first one right now and I'm like every time I have like a lady I was like we're going like I'm getting your card <laughs> we're gonna sleep together because there's no ramifications none of the ladies get mad for me just like Not being right. totally a terrible person <laughs> I know. so like and I was just like sleep with all of them and it's fine and nobody cares and it's great and we just all have a good time but in persona like it totally matters it totally matters because like I could hurt somebody's like they're like if you mess up and by Valentine's Day like everyone like you will break somebody's heart if you've been like cheating behind their back yeah. and like you feel like a dirt bag so like i like find my girl who i will like treat like the princess she deserves to be and i will never because like because and also persona set up like once again with video games they teach you how to go like persona they're like this is this is the path of no return if you go up the social link like you're in it yeah. right dragon age is the same thing yeah i, I picked a man just to be with dorian <laughs> but like actually there's an, so this is yeah okay there's an entire i haven't actually gone through it but i've like heard of it and it's like on my list of like subreddits to go lurk in but there is apparently an entire <laughs> subreddit about straight men playing as dudes specifically to romance Dorian just because they think he's a badass. And I'm like, Dorian's amazing. What's the name of this game? Oh, it's Dragon Age. This is Dragon Age Inquisition. Okay. It's the third one. So, um, yeah. so, so uh, Dorian, okay, so Dorian is like a mage. He's a mage from another empire who's like very sassy. And yeah, he's, like he's hilarious. Of, okay. He's just like a really, and when everyone saw him and they like, knew what his character was about everyone was like clearly one if not the best romance mm-hmm. option and oh, you yeah. can only romance him if you're a dude because Dor- dorian Dorian's only kid. is into dudes mm-hmm. yeah 
And I mean, I think, well, yeah, the Dragon Age series, I think, so this is maybe where you start getting the sexuality thing. Because I actually brought, we well, brought up Dragon Age and like there's a comic that I linked to yes. uh, that's about this. Because I think Dragon Age is also really interesting. And I will link to that comic again in the show notes. Yep. Uh, but it's actually, especially Inquisition is really interesting because you actually see, not as a romance option, interestingly enough, but you see a trans character and you can actually talk yes. about their gender identity. Um, Correct. you have like lesbian characters, you have bisexual characters mm-hmm. and it's like, and it's not just like a throwaway thing about who you can romance and who you can't. It's actually really central to their character. Yeah. And you don't actually, you also don't know unless you have like in-depth conversations with them and you get into that, like have, like get to know them really well. Yeah. And then you try the romance option and they're like, sorry, sorry. I'm not into whatever your character's gender is. And it becomes not just like a huge part of characterization. And like, some are pan, like bull. Right, exactly. <laughs> and <laughs> like real good. Right. And like, it not only becomes like, this is, I think, a, something that at least I've only started to notice more recently is that the idea that like, se- this, like sex and sexuality in video games, which I think used to be just basically shock value and sort of like the pornographic mm-hmm. element. Gonna get games the like, hot coffee. Right. Oh yeah, the hot <laughs> coffee thing. Uh, but like, it's now being brought up as like a way to explore the character. Cause even in like, so I'm actually playing Witcher three right now, finally sort of like getting through it. Yes. Um, which like, it's super exciting, but I think even Have if you played like, the first two, I haven't actually, I know it's good stuff. <laughs> I know. I actually, I went through and watched some like, like videos. So okay. I knew what was going on, but uh, this, is the, this is the horrible part about being a video game academic is like the amount of time I have to play video games when actually went yeah. down. Um, <laughs> But I mean, that's an even interesting one where it's like you're you're you know you're playing as Geralt. You don't have the same like kinds of choices you do in an open world game like uh, Inquisition. But like even then, like the romances he has, like at least uh, like speaking more about three, like are important to his character. Mm-hmm. And occasionally people do sort of respond mm-hmm. like you were an asshole in that previous game. But like, and it's interesting too because I think that shows the evolution of video games because mm-hmm. like literally romance subplots in the first Witcher game are a card collection thing. If you Mm-hmm. If you bang the lady, you get this beautiful card of artwork where she's like naked or semi-naked, like in yeah. different poses, and then and like you can go into your menu and then look at these cards. <laughs> it's just like it's a card collection game, which yeah. I mean, like we can like morally extrapolate what they're doing there, but like also like it's a different type of purpose than say Witcher Three, where like yeah. you are actually this is about his person, who he is, what type of future you want him to have, right? What it means. Because, like, there's also, like, you know, Yennefer versus Triss. Like, right. all that. Well, and, like, I mean, even the idea that, like, like in the beginning of the game, like, Yennefer gets pissed at him for, like, his other sexual exploits. And it's, like, a, like I mean, it's not, as, like, they don't go into it at length, but it's, like, referenced. Spoiler alert for anyone. <laughs> I mean, at this, point, at this point, I feel like I'm super late to that game. So, like, at this point, I think if anyone well, hasn't played it. Okay, like, so, and, and I haven't, because I, I found out about these games two days ago and I looked them up on the internet. <laughs> um, and there, there are two things that I wanted to talk about. Remember with, when we were um, supposed to talk waste. about violence? Well, no, no, but, no, but this, this <laughs> is why it's related. I think the violence thing is more about a question of like, to what degree does like your participation in certain kinds of media, like quote unquote, contaminate right. your experience of the actual world? Well, yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's the part that I actually think is plausible. Like the idea that like, I mean video games, at least for me, like, I mean, especially because I grew up with them, video games as a child influenced how I thought about the world and like what I learned about things more than books. Like, I remember video games from my childhood much more distinctly than I remember books probably mm-hmm. until I'm, like, 12. Mm-hmm. And, like, so mm-hmm. to me, it's, like, entirely plausible. It's, like, there are probably aspects of my personality that are hugely formulated by the fact that, like, I was obsessed with Ocarina of Time and we played yeah, it so many times. Yeah. And, I mean, I think it's, like, different because, like, in those, it's, like, hero narrative. And mm-hmm. there's violence in there, but that's sort of, like, a footnoted part. It's very cartoony. And it's a footnoted part to, like, this larger story of, like, you individually are responsible for saving the world. So the reason the reason I brought up 
the sexuality thing on the on the blog and we're sort of organically getting into it which is why i think these games that you're talking about now are interesting because as you guys talk about them the way abby displaying discuss the difference between witcher one and witcher three is you said in one it's a card collection game i fuck this chick i get her card and boom there's only one like mission where like it becomes like a moral problem and the only moral problem is you won't be able to bang one of the ladies anymore but everyone else still after that is free game important moral question so you have to, and you it's have to about like a really dumb kid and it's just like okay uh, okay so it barely matters to the story and you're saying witcher 3 yeah it entirely affects your character who you know which well, kind of person it entirely, but it, it changes like it's you a, think of as a girl yeah, I think that, and it's also like it's a part of the. Sto- I mean, it's part of the overarching storyline. So, like okay. the beginning, like the whole the whole way the main story begins is you are looking for mm-hmm. Jennifer, and she has basically said like, "I am done with you," because you basically what is he lost his memory? Mm-hmm. Okay, in the first has, game, yeah, he yeah. lost his memory, and that's a way of them dealing with. We don't have to actually recreate the novels that already existed. We're just ex- the, right. like those are canon, but now we're starting at a new okay. point. But, but you can make your own Geralt, basically. Yeah, but basically, like he like from what I understand the backstory, like he has a relationship with somebody else after having a relationship with Yennefer and she finds out about it. Okay. And so she gets really pissed off. And that becomes, Which I'm doing right now in Witcher right. 1. Okay. Exactly. Well, no, and that's, what, and that's, what, I want, and that's and, what I want to get to. And so there's, there's all these like callbacks to like their relationship in previous games mm-hmm. and even I think in the prehistory of before the actual games start. And, um, yeah. Well, that's the issue I wanted to get to. So if we, if we go back to the comments, Jesse in the Facebook version of the post pointed out that when she is playing a game with moral choices, she very much tries to use the ones that she would use in real life. She has trouble doing something that she would normally consider deplorable mm-hmm. inside yeah. the game. Whereas I think for a lot of people, and I'm not just talking about with sex, I think in general, for a lot of people, the entire moral decision of playing a game is what would I be like if I were a murderer? Ha <laughs> ha, you know. But here's where I think it's interesting. Abby is, is saying that, you know, you are literally going through this game trying to be the biggest dick dude that you possibly can. You're like, how many of these girls can I sleep yeah. with? Yeah. Which is not like, that's usually I find horrible in real life. <laughs> right. Which, which is exactly my point. Because people have emotions. Right. <laughs> and like, in the logic of the video game, like, people don't have emotions. And also in the logic of the video game, like, there's a reward system that's built into the game yeah, because that makes you want you. to do that thing. Mm-hmm. And if and even if they do have emotions, they're not, I mean, you just turn it off and back on again and, like, they, <laughs> like, their emotions go away. It's fine. Yeah. But I mean, I think that ties into the earlier violence question. I don't know that I believe that media can make you a different person. For every argument that I've ever seen about comic books make you violent, Dungeons and Dragons make you violent, uh, movies, video games, every argument that I've ever seen, my response is usually I write things for a living and the most popular book on the face of the earth for hundreds of years has been the Christian Bible and seriously, if literature were that powerful, I would be a god because I could just make people do whatever I want. It doesn't work. Everyone doesn't just follow the Ten Commandments because it's the most it's the best selling book ever. That's not how people think. I do think that it allows you to explore different ideas. I think that being a maniacal, magical warlord sex player <laughs> is not an experience that Abby is likely to get, but no. it is neat to sort of embody that and say, well, what would this be like on some level to go through and, and kill a bunch of zombies in Resident Evil? What would it be like to, on some level, just fuck anything that moves? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, I think the interesting question for me becomes like, so like you were talking about the idea that sort of like there's, there is this reward system for like banging as many people as possible. Yeah. And that 
I mean, that, that incentivizes you to do that thing, even if that's a moral thing that you would like a, an immoral thing that you wouldn't normally I do. I mean, so much to a degree when I found out I missed somebody, because I went it, back to my earlier save to right. make sure I got that card. Well, because you like, want to, it was that, that important to me. Right. Because you need the achievement. <laughs> yeah. And there's not even achievements. It's just like the game conditions you like, this is right. a collection thing. And also well, that takes up with something with me oh, as like a personality collection. Producers right. note, Abby's views do not represent the views of the <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think I think that's sort of the question for me is it's sort of like there's this idea in like sort of game theory that the idea that like sort of as you're playing games, they're teaching you their yes. rules. And I mean, I think it's to me, it's an open question, especially at like sort of social and cultural level levels. If you're learning rules about like sort of sleeping with as many people as possible because it's incentivized within the game, if that influences how you start thinking about women. And I think especially in pe- for people who like frankly don't know any better it's not necessarily a way to like change how like i don't think anyone who's like a fine and upstanding human is going to play that game and like suddenly go like oh women are garbage and that's for only for like collecting cards but i think if you're already in a position where that is an idea that seems at least like okay eh, like i don't have a reason against that and also like here's the thing i think there's also a very interesting perception about video game critique and criticism that's going on where people Mm -hmm. conflate criticism with censorship and it's like no you're allowed to call out something and be like hey this exposes something about you Mm -hmm. that maybe you're taking it on a superficial level that you never bothered Mm -hmm. to think about to think about like when i see like and i'm playing those games maybe since i went to a four-year all-women's institution and maybe because i've taken a lot of gender studies class when i look and play that i'm like look at these women's as objects and and like so like that's going through me but that doesn't mean that i cannot enjoy that thing and that does not mean that i cannot critique it and also like i wouldn't call for that game to remove that like right art the game art and medium is a product of its time right Mm -hmm. absolutely well i think it also becomes like this is actually one of the reasons i really love the borderlands series because i think Mm -hmm. borderlands is constantly making jokes about the fact that like even though you're the protagonist and like ostensibly the hero of the game it's constantly making jokes about the fact that you are in fact a horrible person because you're going around killing hundreds of thousands (laughs) of people Mm -hmm. and like i think that there is starting to be a shift i think maybe not in all video games but since like some video games Mm -hmm. of like making fun of the medium itself and the thing the medium asks you to do in order to play well Mm -hmm. there's a lot there are self-referential games or Mm -hmm. like where they break down the fourth wall and i think like that makes video games stand out that's another one of those places where the medium itself affects you in a certain way that's Mm -hmm. unique and interesting but it doesn't change you as a person like i think about um one of my favorite like out of the video game moments is like in metal gear solid 2 where you're playing it and you're near the end of the game so of course you've been playing it for hours and then like the colonel who is your tutorial guy he Mm -hmm. is like when you speak of like games teaching you how to play like colonel always comes in he's like hey press the action button to get through that door and i'm like thanks roy (laughs) and like near the end of the game he starts like calling you and he's saying like really weird stuff you're like what's happening and then he'll like call you and he'd be like you should turn off the game snake like you've you've been doing this for too long and you're like have i been (laughs) and then the thing that messed me up the most is like you're playing and there's like all these guys shooting you and then the game has a very specific end game screen Mm -hmm. and you're so conditioned for it basically it makes your like whatever was the last image on the screen in a smaller corner and it says game over but wait and i'm like oh man i must have died because like you're just so into it i'm like how did i die so soon and you realize in that corner the game is still going you're actually still playing live the game is messing with you and making mm-hmm. you think that it gamed over because it wants you to stop playing why have you been playing so long and i was just like whoa kojima it's <laughs> just messing with me that's a lot, that's a lot. And he does that throughout all of his games on some level but particularly oh, yeah. those first two but like yeah like it makes you like there's those moments where a game will like make you think about something and also like 
I mean, going back to the violence and medium is like, I think a lot of times hyper violence is usually a commentary on violence. It can be used for oh, that yeah. well, in like, horror movies. Yeah. Particularly, they do that a lot. But in video games, like that is a commentary of being like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And like, it, right. and there are games that like kind of make you deal with the monster you've become in a way and like making you think of like, why do you enjoy it? And it, it doesn't have an answer necessarily. And I think that's, I mean, that's why like Borderlands, Bioshock and like a lot of the mm-hmm. games that sort of like bring up the fact that you are this violent person when you're like in this game world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think are really interesting because it's like, I think rather than, I mean, there's actually, I was, I was trying to find the study again last night, but I've seen some studies. It's like actually, so they're talking about like how people respond to virtual reality. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of like, because your body's sort of like conditioned, like, oh, if you're seeing something, like certain things are happening, your inner ear is like, oh, this sure. is going on. Like, and this is what's happening. And so if people like say if the simulation is of you jumping off of a cliff, your body thinks that you're actually jumping off of a yeah. cliff for like a second, even though like you're in like mentally, you know, it's obviously not happening. And people, but, people will have like, like anxiety, like panic attacks. Some people have like had like really weird heart reactions and really funny, weird things. That's how roller game, roller coaster simulators work. They, yeah, they right. just tilt you and they show you the picture and you feel like you're falling because your mind is conditioned to go into a falling response as it sees. Right. And I think one of the interesting things I was reading, and I was really wish I could find this study again, but is it actually so quote unquote normal people, so people who don't play video games have those reactions where they think that the, the simulation is reality more often, whereas gamers are much better at figuring out like, oh, this is not real. So they're much less likely to have those reactions. And so I think like to me, that's sort of suggesting like rather than like video games making you violent, I think like there's a potential like video games might actually be helping yes. you think critically about your own mm-hmm. relationship to violence. Are and that's f- definitely how like, I think about it. Or they're so accustomed to simulation. Your mind is like, hey, this is a simulation. This right. isn't real. Mm-hmm. And then in reality, separating that. So like you, I think, cause like, I, I think the more you are exposed to, it, it's like playing video games and controls and when people bitch about certain controls, right? Oh yeah. You and have to have it like organized, like, like whenever they change, like this button means this, like whenever like, like people have it like defaults, like an inverted setting. I hate it. Well, also just like when you try to go back and play an old video game, mm-hmm. because like new standards have been set of like what a controller is like, the, mm-hmm. like it's actually difficult because like there are kind of norms of like what are easier to do in certain types of video games. And when those are gone, you're like, F, because you've been conditioned. Like, mm-hmm. you know what you know what the parameters are in it. Because it, 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 like, separates the fact that people have free choice. You will get conditioned again, once again, to be to the old standards of mm-hmm. it. You just will bitch about it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like, but you you know what they are. Yeah, I, I think, like, that, that study would be interesting to do more. Like, yeah, oh. because I think, like, I mean, I, I think it's an interesting avenue of of research because it's like, well, that's actually suggesting that I, like, which is actually something that intuitively seems to me plausible of like, oh, having practice with mediated experiences makes you much better at recognizing mediation, which is the opposite of the argument that's like comes up with like so many other kinds of media when, I don't know, I mean, I think that makes that makes sense to me. Sort of like, that actually might make you better at telling the difference between simulation and reality. Mm-hmm. Which is maybe why all the Reddit nerds are sort of like, oh, we're living in the Matrix, guys. No, well, I mean, if you, if you think about the, the advent of of when movies started and, and if, you've ever, if you go back to like the 19 teens 1920s when people first start really going to cinemas yes there are there are actual stories of you know people are like hey here's a shot of a train coming yeah. at the camera mm-hmm. and people ran from the theater because oh, they yeah. bought this train because they with no frame of reference seeing a train coming towards you means get out of the way mm-hmm. yeah. so they, they didn't understand that it wasn't going to burst from the screen if i think back to like 19 i'm gonna say 94 96 ish Madden games. People, oh my God, that looks just like real football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's now yeah. 2018. No, it did not. Well, also- <laughs> and, and if I look at Madden 2018, 
oh my God, that looks just like real football. Oh my God, Call of Duty looks just like a real war. No, 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 it doesn't. They look like video game people. And I think that in 2038, you're going to look back at Call of Duty and go, what the fuck was wrong with these people? They thought this was realistic. This is a mm-hmm. cartoon. And also, <laughs> I, I, I have this conversation because it was like E3, I forget which year it was. <sighs> It was when Metal Gear Solid 4 came out and they had the demo of the human face. And I was like, this is it. We can't get any better, guys. (laughs) And I think like there's that moment. But I think even if it did look the most realistic that it possibly could, I think your body will be conditioned when you because there's context around things. Right. Right. Whether it's you entering that simulation, whether it's you holding a type of controller, whether it's you putting on your augmented glasses, you are then conditioning yourself to be like, Hey, on a subconscious or even explicit conscious level, I am in a simulation. That's mm-hmm. a different type of bodily experience, no matter how real it looks, because mm-hmm. like even stuff that's like horribly dated, you can still find like horrifying or like disturbing, mm-hmm. depending on and, like even if it because of the implication and the context of when you're playing it, even if it's modern day mm-hmm. and it's the first time you're experiencing and you're not just bringing your nostalgia baggage mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. It, it because it's the context of that story that you're bringing and like entering into it and what you invest in it as oh, a person. Yeah. Absolutely. I just remember like I remember how like terrifying was the the redead in Ocarina of Time were. Oh yeah. That was like one of those things. I remember when I was like I don't remember what year that I came no out. But I was like maybe about. seven or this eight. Is Zelda Ocarina like, of Time that was I forget which year that was. I don't know. I was in elementary school. I was yeah I was little because I remember Again, making my brother. Too okay. many references about being young and you won't be my friends anymore. You won't be on the show. <laughs> anyway they're basically like imagine like dried husk zombie people that like literally like like they're like face suckers. They like grab you from behind and like suck out your soul. And the worst also the is they also had this horrible noise that was like a they moan had, that would like uh, they had a horrible level. noise and then the entire screen would freeze and you couldn't do anything. And you have the like, button mash to free yourself from them. Yeah. I literally, like, when I was a kid, like, would go, like, by, like, Big Brother. This was, like, my, my main Big Brother, like, ask. was, like, Big Brother, you have to get me through, like, you have to get me past the redead because I can't deal. <laughs> like, I need help. Just playing, like, the song of the sun every single minute together. Yeah. Well, and that's, and those, like, I mean, the, I mean, even graphics aside, they were never designed to be realistic. Like, even with no, the best, best graphics cards you could possibly have, like, from now, and you, if you had the redead, they would still be, like, cartoony weird things, but they're, they're horrifying not because they look realistic. They're horrifying because of, like, what like because they're not realistic and because of what they are and there's plenty of games that are like really high-end graphically pixel count because there's a difference though between artistry and pixel Mm -hmm. count Mm -hmm. and that's why like games like silent hill 2 and 3 hold up so incredibly well even Mm -hmm. though they're on the playstation 2 because the art design on them and the sound design on them is absolutely insane but like you can still play those as or if you want to play it on pc with your up graphics you can do that mm-hmm. don't play the hd collection because it was the hottest piece of garbage and they ruined it <laughs> that's a whole other conversation but if you play them on playstation 2 like those games are better designed than some stuff you'll see in modern because of the dedication of artistry that was to it and that those games are like hyper disturbing and like really violent Mm -hmm. and they deal with really heavy themes but like they hold up better than a lot of stuff and it's not because they are so realistic Mm -hmm. it's because it was designed in the confines of its medium with purpose Mm -hmm. well i think there's a case to be made i mean especially with sort of like super violent media or things that you like you might have a real life emotional like negative emotional response to yes or like i wouldn't want to play a hyper realistic game where i'm shooting people that sounds fundamentally unpleasant Mm -hmm. 
like if it got ever like I mean complete immersion like we were talking about like you're always aware of like the mediated you like the mediated aspect of it you have a controller you have a console but like even if it was possible to be completely immersed believe in the like believe that what you were doing was real like I wouldn't want to do most of the things that I do on video games if right. I actually thought it was real it's fun because I know it's not oh yeah it's like when my friend and I like will talk about like okay so if we were in a horror movie situation which of these trope scenarios do you want to be in like none of them none actually of them. like also one of my favorite video game violent moments is Resident Evil 4 right because <laughs> once again this also fits into a conversation of like people doing mini games for themselves and the game was not designed for <laughs> so like one of my sub things is like I realized they made different animations depending on the situation that Leon would be murdered like because usually in video games you have a death animation mm-hmm. like it's just you, you crumple over sure that's pretty standard mm-hmm. even today they went off the ball with like ways like depending on the weapon the type of monster and stuff was used so I was just like I gotta find out like what these are so like second playthrough if I was gonna be like okay time to die like I need to see how this one ends right like <laughs> in real life I'm not like can't wait for this chainsaw to go through me it's <laughs> like, not well, like, and that's, that's not like my go-to but, of like what i'm really looking for but so, like well the question there becomes like when we're talking about can video games train you for something i don't know that the realism of a video game if i if i say hey Madden looks super realistic. If I say, hey, Call of Duty looks super realistic. If I say, hey, Resident Evil looks super realistic. I don't really mean it. What I mean is it looks cool mm-hmm. and, and, like, the and gore it feels is compelling. Right. Yeah, I don't, that's like, what I think we really There are no in. realistic zombies. I've never seen one. Yeah, um, I've never, you know, I've played football, but I've never even been on an NFL football <laughs> field during it. Like, I don't know what the realism of that is like. So for most of the experiences that I'm playing in the video game, like I have no actual frame of reference. I have sort of a visual frame of reference. Like I've seen real football. I've seen real people with guns. I've seen, you know, I've seen someone get shot. Like, yeah, but nothing. I've never played any video game where a person reacts to a bullet wound the way people do in real life. Bullet oh, wounds. It's no. messy. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever seen a bullet wound, it's not like the movies. It's not like the video games. Not so movies have two kinds of bullet wounds. Either people just fall over with no blood and then they're dead, or there's intense gore, like a video game where their head explodes. When realistically it's all internal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Realistically, what happens is you see a bullet go in, the guy falls over, and then there's just blood soaking everywhere. But it's not but not like in a cool, visually impressive way, in a oh my god, I don't want to be here way. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like an awful video game to play. That does not sound fun on any level (laughs) and i don't think anybody is looking for it and that's why no one does that also it's like there's a team of designers behind it there was a big video game controversy about manhunt is that it was this behind your hold on let me look it up but basically it's a game where you're like a murderer and everyone thinks you've been euthanized but actually you're like taken to this underground snuff ring and you have to like murder people to get out like it was banned people were really upset about it but the game was shot like a snuff film in some ways and like even the people who worked on it were like i feel bad working on this video game but they're like we still have a point to it because it was like a commentary on violence and stuff and but like it got a lot of trouble it got band in New Zealand and stuff because people who design a game like they are human beings Mm -hmm. like do I want to work on this Mm -hmm. like what am I creating because there is it's like I am creating this for some purpose and like yeah we get desensitized and a lot of times they're like oh sellouts blah 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 but usually those people go to like the 
lowest common denominator. Like, I think, like, real-life murder simulator is not that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I don't think that would sell great. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. So. It, would, it would briefly, and then people would play it, and they'd be like, oh, no, so no, this is not what I want. Dude. Those are the sorts of games that, like, I feel like you buy because they're shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, then, and, that, and then you buy once that shock. Right, and then you play them, and then you're sort of like, oh, well, whatever. Award-winning Game of the Year games are violent, but not on, like, the level of, like, just violence as shock. There's, like, narrative components that are usually, like, visually stunning. And there's all this other stuff going on that it's not just like violence is a part of it, but it's not just that. Well, like, even if it is like the point is like some sort of commentary on violence, usually there's something more to it. Because the ones that aren't like, there's a lot of other problems, right? Narratively, right? Of purpose of like, they're not compelling, as you said, like, right. And I think I mean, I think part of that is just because like, as not just the technology has gotten better, but like, as people have been designing games longer, there's just like more narrative sophistication, there's more technical sophistication, there's more visual sophistication. And you just like, in order to make a good game, like you have to be giving, like giving something that's compelling, even if it's not like narrative or like, like social critique, there has to be something there that like means something. And like, Mindless violence only speaks to so many people and it tends not to speak to most game critics. Also, and I, I think this also plays with a desensitization thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you get desensitized in a video game, you will get bored of it. The video mm-hmm. game has to keep changing things up for you mm-hmm. because if it doesn't keep scary or if it doesn't keep being fun, you won't keep playing it. Mm-hmm. Right? Unless you're playing it to not think, which I think. So yeah. I think that there's on a some level, like Street Fighter has been the exact same game for 30 years, 20, 30 years. It's yeah. it, like the artwork gets better. The, the graphics get better. But fundamentally, there are three punch buttons, three kick buttons, fireball left, fireball right. Like it, <laughs> there's it's it's basically the same game over and over again that they keep remaking. No one's buying Street Fighter to have an enriching story that changes over and over again. But it's one of the best selling games ever because this is comfortable. I can come home from work. I can beat up on Blanca for a little bit and then I'm done. Right. But that's compelling in a different way of like being relaxing or like just being like downright competitive. I think especially like yeah, fighting games like that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you can, there's a, there's like a sense of, because I think, I mean, one of the things that you can get from video games that it's hard to get from even just like a real life and other mediums is you can get a sense of achievement. Mm-hmm. Is like you can, you can be the best, you can have the high score on Mortal Kombat. Yep. You and win a tournament. You can win a tournament and you can even just like compete against yourself. You can see yourself yeah. improving and things like that in like a really concrete, visible way. And I think that's something I have an achievement badge. Yay. Yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, I, was, I completed this character's um, puzzle line and I beat all of them. Right. I was reading the other day about sort of like, like basically like economics and video games. And then we're talking yeah. about like how like from real life, like things happen randomly all the time without meaning. Whereas like in video games, like most things have like, there are like fairly clear cause and effect relationships. Yes. And so it's a way of having a sort of comforting level of meaning that you don't get from your everyday life. Mm-hmm. And that can be, that can be, that's, I think when we go to like mindless video games, I think that's like the sort of things that that's, what's compelling is that there is I like, I know when the, the like I can pick my favorite character as a beginning of a match. I know what's going to happen. I will win or I will lose. If I win, mm-hmm. amazing. If I lose, it's because the NPC, cheated like <laughs> there was lag right there was lag there was lag and like that's a really comforting level of like of 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 structure and meaning that like is nice so even if it's yeah. not narratively compelling it's it's compelling on some other level that like the user of the game is getting something from that experience so what you're saying is video games make people feel good yeah no like the, the, they release endorphins like what like they are no they do and i mean i mean there's and there's converse, like other conversations we could have about like the degree to which they're designed to be addictive and all this other mm-hmm. stuff but i mean if i was ever to be concerned about media being addictive i'm much more concerned about social media with all the like actual algorithms designed to be addictive mm-hmm. another but show another show. <laughs> i know that's a separate show 
I think this is actually a good place to stop. We, we talked briefly about what an utter slut Abby is and how much she just really wants to bed as many I'm not. women as... Geralt is. Geralt's... I'm sorry. Geralt is because... A, he's a witcher. He he cannot impregnate people. He is sterile, and he cannot get STDs. So that's also an implication of like why Th- those are real world things. <laughs> and I want to do this all as a whole other show because I actually had comments on this one about sex the history of, the history of sex in video games. But um, and I have really complicated thoughts on that. But we've talked for over an hour, and yeah. I think. That's probably a pretty good place to end this one. It is an interesting, related, but separate topic. So I would totally like to have you guys both back again. Thank you both for being on here and, you know, talking about something that I don't know as much about. This is my favorite part of the show where we can just pimp stuff that you want to promote. (laughs) Um, Let's see. I do not exist on the internet in that many places, but if I guess you really want to follow me on Twitter where I never post or Instagram where I just post dumb thing, it's at just that nerd kid. Abby? Uh, I mean, like, I guess you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at a rusted bucket. Um, <laughs> and mostly I'm just mad and getting into arguments with people. So it's fine. I also do a lot of that. Um, as you know, if you've been following the show, I am at Chris Maverick on Twitter and pretty much everywhere else. You can also follow the show itself, which is at Vox Popcast, V-O-X-P-O-P-C-A-S-T and facebook.com slash Vox Popcast. Also follow on our blog, which you will see these episodes and whatever the next topic is. That's www.voxpopcast.com. Let us know if you have any ideas for another show and things that you want to see and hear us talk and rant about. You will also see us post the calls for comments for the future shows where you can give us ideas of how you feel about these topics and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find podcasts. Leave us comments and thank you for listening. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.